Welcome to our Awe and Wonder AAC podcast from the Special Education Technology Center. We're here in Series 2, Leaders and Changemakers. I'm Sarah Kinsella. And I'm Brenda Del Monte. And we are so excited to have Jane Farrell, the Jane Farrell, with us today. Um, this is a really exciting interview for us. We're going to start with Jane. We know you. We love you. We love your work. And uh, we think a lot of people who will be listening um, will also know you. But for those who maybe don't, can you give, explain, um, just give us a little idea of who you are and what you do and Sure. Also, where you live, because we're in all different places. <laughs> I was about to start with, I have a slightly different accent. Um, <laughs> so, um, yes, I'm an Australian. I live in a wine region called the Barossa outside of Adelaide um, in a little old stone cottage, 160 years old. So, oh, wow. um yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I am a speech pathologist, first of all. I started working as a speech pathologist over 30 years ago, and we say speech pathologist, not speech language pathologist, so excuse me okay. for that. Um, I started working over 30 years ago and very quickly became interested in AAC, and that led to my interest in literacy and for the past 11 years, I have worked for myself um, as a consultant. Um, I work with schools across Australia and I do workshops and conferences and things all over the world. Um, mm -hmm. And I have a blog where I write what I think. Um, at the time, I'm not very regular with it. Um, and, yeah, I have a huge passion for both literacy and AAC. Right. That's evident from everything we see from your um from your blog and what what's the name of your blog so people can find it it's very boring janefarrell.com <laughs> <laughs> that makes it easy Jane, I I came across your blog. Um, I think it was 2017 when WordWall stuff came out, and mm -hmm. you, I, there was printables, and I was a crazy person printing and laminating and doing all this stuff. <laughs> and I remember because mom was spelled mum right in the in the yes, yes. But um, one thing I've always appreciated about you is you are so rich and generous with your resources. So you create a resource. Actually, it was probably before 2017 because I think I came across you when I was trying to find a list of switch access to the iPad, kind of before switch access mm -hmm. was a thing. So you had to know that yep. the app had internal switch access. Yes. Of course, even yes. now you can't search Apple and say switch access and get anything that, no. that speaks our language. But I remember finding you. So that was probably was like maybe maybe 2011 or so. But mm. it was somewhere in there where it was like, oh, my gosh. She just did all this work. She just found all the apps that, that, that work with Switch Access. I love this person. And I didn't have to pay. I You updated it regularly so many times. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I love this. And that is something right off the bat that I feel like I learned from you and attempt to emulate in my whole practice. I'm also in private practice. And it's like, if I have the information I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to try right. to figure out a way to share that with you. And it is going to be, it is so hard to get the information out. I'm not going to make this even harder by having yeah. you, you know, pay me something or have some special website or I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, you're like janefarrell.com and everything I know is on there. <laughs> yeah. 
And when I know something else, I'll put it on there too. And I love, yeah. love, love that and appreciate that about you. And I do think that right off the bat with leaders and chamber, I think that's something that, that you just lead well in provide being so generous with your knowledge and your resources. So thank, thank you. you for that. I always say when people comment on that, it's all about the kids. That's mm. what we're all here for. And we just mm. want the best for them um, and adults as well. We just want to share and support each other and them as much as we can. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Use it down. It's all about the kids. Yes, for sure. Yeah. We're all here for the same reason. Yep. Well, speaking of kids, um, that was kind of one of the first things we wanted to ask you about is, was there a particular student in your career or that inspired you? Or maybe you, maybe you thought, you know, I'm, this is my why, this is the reason I'm doing this, or, or I, mm-hmm. I want to learn more because I want to do more for the student. Yep. Um, it's, I guess it's not just a straight simple line. Um, I became interested in AAC because I found it endlessly fascinating, absorbing, um, you know, help getting, figuring out the best way for people to get their message across. And when I started in 1991, we were pretty bad at it. You know, we didn't have good comprehensive AAC systems. We were still fiddling around with using lots of nouns, lots of object symbols, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in about 1993, I went to work at a large um, special school in Melbourne. Um, we had, it was a physical disability special school and you didn't have to have an intellectual disability to go there, just a physical disability. It's all changed now. But um, I met a young man called Nick um, and Nick gave me a completely different perspective. Nick has the most amazing parents, Helen and Bob, and um, they terrified me because they knew more about AAC than I did, (laughs) (laughs) but also totally inspired me. Um, So Nick was literate because his parents had not given up on that. Mm. I can honestly say... Um, I don't think he'd have become literate in the education system without his parents Mm, um, pushing, supporting. And then Nick had high-tech AAC. He had a um, Canon, sorry, no, an Epson speech pack, it was called. And he was one of the very few people I'd worked with who actually had high-tech AAC. Mm -hmm. And that was his dad's passion. Mm. and Nick could spell, and he was a switch user, but he could say absolutely anything he wanted to Mm. say, Mm. and that made me realise that that was the holy grail, Mm -hmm. right? If you can't speak, the ultimate flexibility is those 26 symbols that are the alphabet. Mm -hmm. They let you say anything you want to say. Uh, And then I started looking at what was happening in the school I was working with in, and we had a team of five um, speech pathologists and I'd been working in the senior section up to that point Um, and we had a bit of a change of staff and I got, you know, was moved into working in some of the junior classrooms. 
And my mum was a primary school, elementary school principal, and I oh. worked as a I'd worked as a teacher aide as in an elementary school when I was studying speech pathology. So mm-hmm. I, you know, had a fair exposure to education over the years. Okay. And in our junior section at that school, we had a class of students who didn't have intellectual disability. And the teacher in that classroom, her aim was for the students to read their names by the end of the year. Mm. And I was just horrified right these I mean every student we work with deserves more but this was a group of kids where the plan was after two years that they would go to their local mainstream school after they'd been fully set up with you know a kit of equipment and everything Mm -hmm. nothing was happening for them and I would say Mm -hmm. to my mother what are your you know beginning of school students learning and what are they doing right yeah so I decided to go back and study teaching because I wanted to learn more about this because I just kept getting told you can't and Mm. I think well I know Nick and by that stage I also knew many other people with complex Mm. communication needs who could read and write right Um, And even when I was studying, I had one lecturer ask me to leave his class because, A, speech pathologists shouldn't be involved in literacy instruction. That was one of his big beliefs. And, B, he thought I was absolutely crazy thinking that people without speech could learn to read and write. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So, yeah, so I just... I can honestly say that my studies didn't teach me anywhere near as much as in 2000 I came over to the States for the Isaac conference. It was in Washington, Mm D.C. And I thought to myself, oh, I'll see what else is on while I'm there. And um, Karen Erickson and David Coppenhaber were running a literacy intensive in Minneapolis. So I went along to that and I learned more mm-hmm. in that course than I learned in all of my other studies. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, now they they have written the Comprehensive Literacy for All and you have you have resources around all of that on your website and and um, modules and things. And we, we've gone through those as well. And so um, it's so fun that that you're side by side with those people now, you oh, know, working along. I'm still them. learning from them all the time. Oh, yeah, we all are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do have to say, though, your modules are so great Brenda and I both did them and they're just you know we kind of felt like we're talking with you which is exciting (laughs) Mm -hmm. now we're actually talking with you but um really good examples so I just want to put a plug out there yeah anybody listening yeah yeah some some people will say well because we do continuing ed and they'll say well where do you get your continuing ed you know and here we have closing the gap in ATIA which are national Mm -hmm. conferences in these in the states and not Isaac is just so people know, it's an international conference for AAC and it's it's it alternates from Australia one year, right? And then anywhere in the US. Rest of the world. Rest of the world. North America. Rest of the world, North America. Oh, is that how it goes? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. So the one coming up is in um, Mexico, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will you be and there? Weirdly, that's the North American turn. <laughs> Will you be there? 
No, I won't this time. It's the first one I've missed since 2000, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I'd already agreed to um, go to France and run an AAC camp. Oh. And they changed the dates for Isaac, and I just couldn't do both. Well, an AAC camp in France, France sounds pretty spectacular. So this is what's about that, <laughs> Yeah, we want to hear about that. I have a couple questions about you because I know that you do camps for kids, AAC users, but I have seen some posts about that look like you maybe do camps with teachers or special ed, like the adults. And that also looks like a camp kind of format, like a weekend kind of thing. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so I no longer regularly run camps here. I got too old. Um, <laughs> for kids, you mean? Well, we don't have the same camp culture in Australia that you do. Okay. So um, camps here tend to be um, something you go to with your school, not something you go to in the summer um, holidays. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So I decided back in the early 2000s that I wanted to run an AAC camp and I managed to get a grant and get that going. It was called Big Mouth Camp. I named it after Mm -hmm. my Um, (laughs) ex-husband. And, um, yeah, right from the beginning. um, So I'd been involved in um, camps a lot through various things, including church when I was younger. And I used to go to a learning disability um, camp when I was a speech pathology student. And the kids would come, it was more the American model, the kids would get dropped off, we'd take them off to camp, we'd do five days of activities and therapy and then we'd bring them home. Mm -hmm. And I felt it was a really faulty model because the parents really only got this quick handover oh, and okay so when I um started big mouth camp it was with the intention that the whole family would come for the whole camp so wow. yeah siblings so and what, everything yeah yeah okay so yeah so that's what we did for 10 years and um while it was my idea there are a number of people I couldn't have done it without and particularly Helen Tange. Um, And we were lucky enough to have Gail Porter come to about five or six of them as well. Um, Yeah, we had lots of volunteers. Towards the end, the queue to volunteer was huge. Oh, Um, I bet. Yeah, and organisations were seeing it as PD for their staff. You know, it was, Mm -hmm. it it really was fabulous. Um, But, yeah, I just decided it was you know, I did it completely voluntarily, just mm-hmm. ran it. It was huge. Um, and I just, yeah, I put it out there to see if anyone else wanted to take it on, didn't have any takers, so it kind of stopped. Now what I do is if people ask me to, I will run a camp. Um, it's often schools. They'll ask me and usually Helen, we tend to do it together, um, to come and run a camp on a weekend where hmm. the kids the students come in for the weekend with their parents and we all do activities together. And the aim is to get the parents much more um, and siblings, you know, everybody's welcome. Um, if they're at a mainstream school or, or, you know, if the special school that I'm working with is putting it on, then the staff, as many of the staff will, that will come, you know, are welcome to come. Um, and the aim is to get 
everybody much more fluent with modelling and, and feeling more competent with the students' AAC system. So That's yeah, a great format for for just collaborating and getting everybody on board at the same with the same activities. And I'm sure it's fun yeah. for the kids. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. We've so, we've had a gone. Oh well, it makes me realize that. So since there was no model like that, you're you're a like I don't know, let's try it kind of person. Because I mean, yeah. I, I, you're you're not following someone else who's already been doing this. But it sounds like you have a partner in crime. And I feel like sometimes um, people that are kind of on the teetering of like, I don't know, we haven't really, we don't, we're, we're, we don't know what we're doing. You kind of have to have another person who's just as crazy as you are. So tell us about, is what's her name? Helen Tank. And what is her role? Uh, so she's a speech pathologist as well. Okay. Helen and I went to university together. Okay. Um, and yeah we do lots together so we're going to France together to run the camp over there um in April we're going to the UK to run a five-day literacy intensive course um so I work lots with her and lots with Sally Clendon is the other person so Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's part of the sustainability in this career is to find your people um because you try yeah, kind of trial, just trial. If you're in the doing something like AAC and literacy, that's literally trial and error. And prior to maybe maybe comprehensive literacy or for all book, there wasn't there wasn't a book on it. You mm-hmm. know, there was there's not there hasn't been a lot of resources, and you created resources. I mean, you you just were like, I don't know, let's try this. Oh, so mm-hmm. that worked. That, that you know, mm-hmm. or I don't know. This is how um neurotypical kids are learning to read why would why would that not also work for kids who aren't yep. functionally verbal right so you're you but, but it still felt rogue so rogue that you get you're getting kicked out of classes so you <laughs> gotta find your people or you or you're gonna right. burn out because you're it's a hard road to tell I'm sure yeah yeah although the passion just makes it easy and the outcomes just make it right easy um, I have a few people, my tribe, that I talk to at nights and, and you know, things like that. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's like the explicit alphabet knowledge or the explicit alphabet instruction routine, whichever label you use mm-hmm. with it. You know, Karen and Dave came to Australia, I don't remember what year it was, and talked about that. And I hadn't heard about it before. Um, it was a new thing they'd added, you know, to what they were doing. And mm-hmm. people went home and implemented um, the routine throughout their whole school. And so I work with a lot of special schools here. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm pro-segregation. It's um, just that's the group of people that want to work with me. And mm-hmm. right. um, I love that we have now whole schools where everybody models AAC and walks around carrying AAC systems, Mm -hmm. et cetera, all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, people went home and tried implementing that whole school and we very quickly found that for our most emergent students, the students who maybe only know a few letters of the alphabet, that it wasn't very effective. But once students knew half the alphabet, it was way more effective than what Mm -hmm. we'd been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
you know, I really appreciate, like I fed that back to Karen and she said, yep, if that's what you're finding, that's what you keep doing. So, mm-hmm. right. you know, we're finding it more effective to work on two to six letters of the week mm-hmm. with our really emergent students. Right, and then, right. Um, yeah, we just keep trying it and figuring out what works best what are, well, what are some of your tricks to the trade to get buy-in it sounds like people are coming to see you and then they go back and they actually do it <laughs> tell us about that <laughs> i am really lucky <laughs> um so 2012 or 2011 i decided to work for myself i was very lucky um in 2010 i met a couple of principals who wanted to start working with me across their whole school. One of them had done the literacy intensive with Karen and Dave. One of them was um, a teacher I used to work with who was now a principal, and they both wanted to employ me to support their whole school. Um, So I did that and we got great outcomes and one of them was very good at getting the media to come to the school and, you know, Mm. things like that. Right. Um, principals talk. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I would suddenly get a phone call or an email from another principal who'd heard from that principal. Mm. And at the same time, our curriculum model in Australia changed. So it used to be that special settings were basically choose their own adventure. Mm. Um, We moved to having a national curriculum and in theory, every school in the country follows that and I would wow. definitely say in theory mm-hmm. we have some states where that's very much followed through on and policed and they're the states I work in the most mm-hmm. and we have other states that are still taking steps to getting that happening 10 years later sure. so <laughs> um yeah so but- that's why I feel I've been very lucky because in the states where it's been very clear from the education department it's not negotiable, those schools really wanted lots of support. How do we get this happening? So that's, yeah. And then I honestly feel also I have worked as a school speech pathologist and an assistive technology assessor and, you know, all of those different roles. In this role, because people pay for me, I feel like they value it more. Right, right. Well, and I think also, you know, you come and you show things and do things and then they see success, right? They see our students are doing this. And as soon as you see that with a student, you can't not want to do that more, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. That's not everybody, but yes. And A a big part of what I do, so when I go to a school, um, a lot of the schools just get their staff to do my online training now rather than having me come for a workshop. And then what I do is I go in and they just move me through classroom after classroom. So I will go to a classroom and model independent writing or I'll go to a classroom and model comprehension instruction or a classroom Mm -hmm. and model shared reading. And so it's doing it with their kids in their classroom, with their set of you know complications and positives and all of those things which um yeah is really helpful which which is different than just reading about it and yes and trying to figure out how to make it work but actually seeing someone do it with your own students yes yeah yeah that's that's really good 
we've, you know, talked to a lot of people about, you know, in our state and, and other places about that modeling and coaching type of training and, and, and what works. So it's, it's always interesting to hear, hear Mm -hmm. your perspective, your people's perspective on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yes. I think that's much more effective than the workshops. I think you need the workshops. So you've got some common language and some common Mm -hmm. understandings, but yeah. Yeah. I was gobsmacked a few years ago. Um, so Sally Clendon and I, or now Helen Tench and I, run the five-day courses here ourselves quite frequently. We still like to get Karen and Dave over every so often, but, um, yeah, we'll run our own as well. And, um, yeah, we had a lady sitting in the front row, nodding intelligently, asking great questions. And about three weeks later, I went to her school and I walked into her classroom and it was clear it was babysitting, not teaching. Mm. And she said to me, loved your course, pity it doesn't apply to my students. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, yeah, that just blew me away because mm-hmm. I, I presented case studies of kids similar to her students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. 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 That unfortunately that exists, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm digressing from the planned question, but so don't, but you know, but I, I noticed um, that you reposted about hand over hands <laughs> on Friday. And yes. that's a classic example of something that I'm not sure ever worked, but research is showing probably yep. never did. And yep. continues to go on and we say it in classes and everyone nods and you go to the classroom and it's still being done. Yep. <laughs> and I, that I, every, for those that um, don't know, she posted a, um, like a graphic. And by the way, mm-hmm. I, I printed that Jane. Uh, it was five feet long, like literally yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the length of my door. And I had it up in my, I had it up in my practice. Um, since the day you put that out, I noticed that the Friday was a, was a revised version of it. So, you know, because it needed to hang there to be for anybody and everybody who came into that room, including parents, including nurses, including paraeducators, including, 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 right. And SLPs, right. Including SLPs. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, those are some things that I think, so Tell us a little bit how, about why why do you think people still do that? Oh, I really don't know. I I think in so the update last week was because um someone had put put on I apologize I can't remember their name but I've um, acknowledged them in the update. Someone had put on Insta about an article they'd read. It's 25 years old, I think. And it says in the article, so they compared um, passive modelling, where they just modelled the task to the students with um, verbal prompting and hand over hand. Mm -hmm. And they found that the most effective technique was passive modelling for kids to learn the task. Um, And this was students with, moderate to severe intellectual disability I think so they're comparing Um, modeling to hand over hand is that right yes and and they also compared but you know like step-by-step verbal prompting yes okay 
Yep. And the most effective was modeling. Right. Mm-hmm. 25, 25 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And they say in the summary, um, I put it in my blog post, I think, we suggest that this commonly used technique in education is going, you know, we need to rethink and revise and change and move away from this. And I'm just like, yeah. And 25 years later, we're still saying this. Right. Um, the article's free to download. Um, it was only put up online about 2016. Um, and they link to some other articles in there that have shown the same outcome. Um, and it's just scary that we've known that for that long. It's a bit like symbol-supported text. Why mm-hmm. does it keep coming up mm-hmm. when we've got research back to the 60s for that one showing that it doesn't work? Mm-hmm. It's got to be, I don't know, Sally Clendon was talking at one point about um She'd been reading some research about what impacts your practice as a speech pathologist mm-hmm. and um, or in New Zealand they say speech language therapist. Um, she found that your first job in many ways has and, and the practices and understandings of the people around you has more, and, and excuse me, Sally, if I'm misquoting you, but it had more impact on your um what you did with your practice mm. than your your degree almost. Oh, wow. um, your first job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that's the thing is we work with a lot of people who come into special education who've had little or no special education training, mm-hmm. particularly paraprofessionals. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the teachers I work with may or may not have had special education training either. Um, And even the ones that have, it may not have been very informative for their job. Mm -hmm. And then you you go into an environment where everybody is using hands up, hand over hand. And so you think perhaps that this is what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I have started working with a new school last year in Sydney and they um, use a lot of LAMP and LAMP promotes hand over hand in its training for LAMP. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were using hand over hand in virtually everything else as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a staff meeting where I talked about what a problem this was for mm-hmm. autonomy and, and other reasons. Mm-hmm. And the, the kickback actually mostly came from the school's speech pathologist. Mm. Um, because sometimes we can be the worst (laughs) yeah because she'd been to all the lamp training where Mm -hmm. it was really promoted Mm -hmm. um and so she was coming from a really strong position of concern that AAC wasn't going to be as effective if we didn't do this Mm. and so I think that's another reason that hand over hand continues is we do have approaches that often things that are based on the principles of ABA or come mm-hmm, from that mm-hmm, area mm-hmm. where hand over hand is actually seen as a really valid technique. Mm-hmm. So you have a mix of it's just happening and everyone's doing it so I must have to do it too mm-hmm. through to right. this is what I've been trained in, this works. Right, right. You know, it makes me think about what you were just, that story you're sharing, thinking of leaders and change makers, you know, and what you said about um, what you found with the alphabetic knowledge, the work that you had done in schools and you talked to, to Karen Erickson, you know, that's brave, right? You're, you're talking to them oh. and saying, look, this is 
is what I found and yeah and I'm doing this work and then being brave going into like maybe a, a setting where the hand over hand is happening you know we have to be brave and 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 talk to people about what we yeah. what we know and what research says um I, I think that might be you're onto something with that um <laughs> as the yeah. change maker right being brave to do these things and and empowering others you know because like you mentioned our paraeducators who may not have the same um training in special education but they are with the students all the time and doing such important and they work. just want to help they oh, yeah. just are the most amazing people who just yeah. want to help yeah 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 if you want to make change train your paraeducators I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the, where, you know, and, and then there's systematic limitations, at least in the U S on training time for paraeducators and how do you, mm-hmm. how do you provide all of that? But, um, I think Sarah makes a good point where you have to go, well, I'm going to, I'm trying this and it's not exactly the way, um, Erickson said, so I'm going to, I'm going to open that dialogue. I'm going to email her. I'm going to ask her that. I love <laughs> that because what I think is, um, us, little people feel like you all are, uh, um, you know, that, that it's going to be a stupid question or mm-hmm. that you're going to roll your eyes or you're going to have, Oh my gosh, I, where do I begin? Or, you know what I'm saying? But I actually feel like, um, you know, there's, there's a void in, of ongoing mentorship in, um, in our field of, okay, here's where I got. And here, here's the, here's the, here are the few kiddos that aren't, aren't getting past this barrier and I'm where, you know, like how do we create an environment where we have people that we are brainstorming with that, um, that can, you know, that can go, well, have you thought of this? Did you try that? You know, and it's not, they're not so stuck on the way that they're selling it, the way that they're, you know, right. The way that they've been packaged. It's like, well, you have to do this and you have to, it's like, Hmm. Cause it sounds like Erickson said, if that's working, keep doing it. I mean, you know, mm. I love that. Because yeah, she was really great. Yeah. You know, she's empowering you. Like, I love that you're you're using your own critical thinking here. You're managing this. That's how you're coming up with new solutions. And that's that's that is how you stay creative. That is how you stay innovative, you know, is permission to do it your way. And but then have that feedback from someone who you respect say, yeah, mm. keep, keep going. You know, mm. do you get a lot of people that reach out to you? Um, in Australia, yes, sometimes from other countries, but it's hard to fit it in with time differences and and things like that. So, yeah. Um, Sally Clendon and I went to the UK about 10 years ago and ran a literacy intensive and I've stayed in touch with a lot of the people from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been... Yeah, that was an awesome course. So, um, yeah, it's things like that. But I have people approach me to formally mentor them. But last year I just had to start saying no. I've just mm-hmm. got too much on my plate. You right? are a busy, busy woman. When I look at your blog or what what's happening, you're all over. <laughs> yeah. You're right. all over doing, mm-hmm. doing a lot of good work. Um, you know, we were talking about mindsets. And one question we were curious to ask you is um what mindset or systematic hang-ups do we need to avoid to stay creative we kind of talked about that a little bit um staying creative and solving problems to to keep us moving forward in this field 
I think constantly maintaining that belief that every student can, can, full stop. Mm. And then problem solving around that. I love, love, love the participation model from Miranda and Buchelman mm-hmm. and the way it talks about barriers, but also the way it talks about today and tomorrow. So, you know, in that model, we're asked to consider um, access barriers and opportunity barriers. And I think that's a really um, great way to think about it because we're often fixated on the access barriers because they're a little more solvable. Mm -hmm. Um, The opportunity barriers are things Mm -hmm. like attitudes and um, the knowledge of people around the individual that are a lot Mm -hmm. harder to solve. But until we tackle those, we're not going to get the change that we need to see. And then that mindset of today and tomorrow I felt has found has actually been really helpful to a lot of people. John is where he is today. And this is what we need to do to keep supporting John. So maybe John is communicating with behaviour, facial expression, body language, all of those things today. Mm-hmm. What do we want for John tomorrow? Mm. And then what do we need to put in place for tomorrow to happen? Mm. And tomorrow is not tomorrow. Tomorrow is a point in the future. But it's acknowledging that he's where he's at today and the things that you're doing are awesome and maybe we can tweak things a little bit to help today be easier. But we need tomorrow to be kept in our sights and moving towards tomorrow at all times. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I just think that headset is incredibly important. I I love that. I need to look at that. Yes, write this down, everybody. As you're listening, I can just imagine um, people we've talked to and this just is just a gold nugget. And it makes so much sense, right? Um, Mm. Yeah, that is wonderful. Yeah, it's um it's a gentle way to say that we accept everyone as they are and mm-hmm. we also know that we haven't reached full potential here, right? Mm-hmm. That there's a um competency that we have not that we have not yet achieved, right? Yep. <laughs> so And yep. then you're bringing it back to the kids, just like you said, yep. we love that that that's what this is about. Yep. Yeah. 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 What advice do you have for people wanting to help the field grow? Oh, gosh. Um, I guess be honest. Mm. Love that. Don't keep doing the same thing if it's not working. Be honest and say, this isn't working. There's got to be another way. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a more inclusive way. There's got to be... We've got to be able to reach everybody and this this model isn't doing that. Are yeah. are there things, Jane, that you can think of just off the bat of times where you've had to be honest that Plenty. you could share with us? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, as I said, I get employed a lot to work with schools. Mm-hmm. And so I will go in and work with a whole school 
um, it's usually principle-led and you were saying before about how do I get people to accept this and, and implement it, huge advantage having the boss, um, right, <laughs> you know, right. on that, um, yeah, on the same wavelength. Um, there have been times where the school has employed me for different reasons. So um, there's definitely been times where, um, multiple schools in an area have employed me, gone to a principal's meeting and raved about it, and then another school has contacted me. And when I get to that school, it's clear that it's more about they want the outcome without putting in the work, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and also, oh, well, that school's got these great outcomes because they've got Jane Farrell, so if we have Jane Farrell, we'll you know, get those great outcomes, yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's happened three or four times and I've had to be very honest with those schools about it's not about, you know, it, it's, I guess when I've worked with students, it's it's equivalent to the parents that want to buy the most, you know, expensive AAC but not actually right. model it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's not about money. It's about time. It's about change of attitude. It's about all of the practices that we have to put mm-hmm. in place. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's saying to schools, you know, this is about a, this is a journey. It's not a holiday. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I mean, are there some guiding principles that you use that, you know, even that you used before the iPad and like, like, I feel like, um, you know, people coming into the field now, they, 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 I, I had someone say, if the, if the pictures don't come in the message window, they're never going to need, they're never going to use the device. I've never seen a kid use the device that didn't have the pictures in the message window. And I was like, well, that's because you're, that's because you've been in practice for six months and you've only seen, you know, touch chat or protocol, like, like it's the limited experience piece. But I mean, are there things that, so it's like for those that haven't seen how far AAC has come, Right. And so you you can say, oh, honey, I remember when the printout came from the liberator, like a little piece of paper. Oh, they, yeah. they somehow learned to do it without a message window at all. You know, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> there, there are things that I think people coming into the field think are guiding principles because of what all AAC devices maybe have that they've seen. But those aren't really the guiding principles. Right. So it's like, what are things that regardless, you know, AAC in the beginning, which, by the way, we may still be in. <laughs> We might still yes. be in AAC infancy. I kind of hope we are. We've come a long <laughs> way in 30 years, but gosh, we've got a long way to go. Yeah, we do. We do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of hope we are in the infancy because I, because th- I, I want it to be so much better. Um, but are there things that like regard, like I'm always saying when I do consults with, um, with schools and they're like, oh, do we need a different app, a better app? Kind of like the parent yeah. thing, right? And it's like, mm. no, you can actually love the one you're with. Like you actually mm. can, you can, you can actually just make any of them work really. If you, if they can access it. Mm. And, and if it's, it's a good vocabulary set too. Yeah. If it's complete. Um, yeah. It's exactly right. Um, so years ago, um, 2012, I was involved in a study, which we published in perspectives in AAC and, um, it was at a school here in Australia, um, obviously, and uh, the principal at the school decided that she would put 
the five or six students in the school who had AAC in the one class and um, figure out if that led to better outcomes because when they were mm-hmm. scattered through the school, it basically it just ended up in cupboards and didn't get used. Okay. So that was her original premise. Um, I went in to support the class and I was horrified. So it was um, every single one of the students had ProLoquo to go on an iPad. So it's very early in the days of the iPad. Mm-hmm. Each of them had ended up with ProLoquo to go on an iPad for different reasons. One of them had actually had an assistive technology assessment and had got it as part of the assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, the Good others had, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. others had it, um, I think my favourite was the gardener um, at the school had seen like 60 minutes or... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 2020, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, suggested that Proloquo might be good for uh, this particular student who right. used to come out and help him a lot. So they all had it for different reasons, parent-driven, whatever. Yeah. Um, and... It was back when Proloquo to Go's vocabulary was that incredible mishmash of um, it just wasn't very robust. Right. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. Proloquo's infancy for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, before mm-hmm. Crescendo. So yeah. we we started off the year, um, I wasn't involved, so it was the school speech pathologist supported them for the first 10 weeks. And then she left for another job, I think, and the principal asked me if I would take it on. And I was incredibly lucky because about four weeks later, Crescendo came out and mm. I just went, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that early proloquo to go was incredibly hard to, mm-hmm. yeah, get mm-hmm. good communication and that's, But that's what with. you were working with. Yeah. And so yeah. now, yeah, this has yeah. come to you. Yeah. So we rolled Crescendo out straight away. Um, What they'd been doing in Term 1 was they had programmed a number of specific pages. So when the school speech pathologist was working with them, they programmed a number of specific pages for um, situations like going to the um, lunch cafeteria place and buying stuff and morning group. Mm -hmm. And my favourite example of this was, in fact, the morning group where... um, the teacher would say to the students, how are you feeling today? They'd all go to the morning group page and they'd say happy or sad or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I said, right, this is going to stop. We're just going to model it, model it, model it. This is now a good vocabulary. You should just be able to use it all day, every day. And to me, that's the defining thing. If you can use it to talk with, then the kids can use it to talk mm-hmm. with. And so if you do get an app that you can't use to model, there's a very good chance it's not going to be suitable Mm -hmm. for the kids to use to communicate with either. So that's, to me, as a really, you know, defining thing. If I can't model with it, how are the kids going to learn to use it? And some apps do take some training before you can learn to model with them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, putting that aside, once you've had that training, if you need it, if you can model with it, then we're good to go. Right. Um, by the end of the year, so the teacher and the te- and the teacher aide took that on board. We got more and more modelling happening, and I was there about every four weeks 
Um, so I would go in, check how things are going. We'd have a chat. Off we go. They did all the hard work. By the end of the year, I was there and the teacher was running morning group, which had completely changed from earlier in the year. Don't get me started on traditional special ed morning circle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I do want to hear it, but yes, yeah. <laughs> story. So end of the year, I'm sitting there, it's, um, you know, nearly time for summer break and the teacher says to the students, how are you feeling? And one of them says, um, you know, navigates to feelings and says, great. And the teacher says, why? And he says, goes off and he names another student and then he says, birthday and party. And she goes, yes, we are having a party for his birthday today, aren't we? And then, you know, um, they have a bit of a chat about what might be at the party and he tells her dancing. I've got all of this on video. I love watching it. And then there's another student um, and she says, and how are you feeling? And this other student hasn't participated in the discussion about the party. Everyone else is saying, and cake and, you know, things like that. And Uh this one student is sitting off to the side and she says to her, and how are you feeling? And she goes, tired. Oh, (laughs) and then she goes very (laughs) and then really (laughs) dramatic yeah but it's just that change from going into the morning circle page and telling the teacher something that was not necessarily accurate or true and no further discussion to being able to have a robust discussion about how everybody's feeling and associating their feelings with their feelings too right right something meaningful and Mm. and real Mm. yeah Yeah. I love that yeah so I think in terms of of, you know overriding principles if you can't use the language system how can the kids use Mm -hmm. it um and it's it's you're right. If it's a good system, we can make it work as long as the student can access it. Mm-hmm. So there's no, you know, it's not like we're going to, I've worked with kids who have, I'm sure you have too, who have four systems on their iPad mm-hmm. because people are always looking for the next system mm-hmm. to be the magic right. or the easy one. But right. it's about our implementation. Mm-hmm. And giving it time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And right. I think too, accepting what they give you. Instead of requiring an I want statement or instead of requiring some kind of um, sentence structure that looks ver- that, that looks like written language or looks like verbal language written down. Right. Like it like I think it's like taking what they give you um, as authentic communication, you know, yeah. and not questioning that. I think one of the principal beliefs I feel like is that I believe you. Yeah. If you tell me something on your device, I believe you. Yes. And, yes. and I mean, instead of what I get all the time, especially with alternative access is, did they mean to say that? Yeah. Especially yeah. when they've said something profound. Right. right? They We're said making something them... that's right on target and everyone's yeah. so surprised. They say, did, or do you think they meant to do that? And yeah. I don't know. What is We're the harm in believing that they meant to? Yeah. 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 Um, I was working with a student who was using partner-assisted scanning with a pod book Mm -hmm. and she um, was um, doing a writing sample 
um, doing writing with me. We called it a writing sample because it was the end of year assessment. Okay. So she and I were doing writing. Her teacher was there as well. Um, and she's using partner assisted scanning with her pod book. And she said, more to say, um, let's do something else. Visit. So let's do something else takes you to the activities page mm-hmm. or the places page. Visit mum. And I said, because this was a writing sample and I was not being flexible about this, I said, <laughs> oh, you're going to write, you want to visit mum. And again, got this on video. And when I pull out the flip chart to try and make it right, she just lets me know. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was to... telling you, I want to do something else. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and then the right. teacher who was in the room in, and, and videoing interrupts and says, actually, mum's here at the moment for a meeting with the principal. Oh. So you go, oh, okay. So we told people that story and a lot of people didn't necessarily believe us. Um, mm-hmm. It was really significant for that student to have done all of that. She was mm-hmm. still learning partner-assisted scanning. And then the following year I was working with her and it was a parent open day. So um, school was just happening and parents were wandering in and out watching in the classrooms. It's not something I lots of schools do, but this particular mm-hmm. school did it. And um, I said to the student, what are you going to write about? So same thing, I'm writing with her again and using her pod. She said, um, more to say, I'm telling you something um, then she chose days and times, Thursday, back to categories, um, activities, not turn the page, swimming. Um, so Thursday, not swimming. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, you're not going swimming on Thursday. And one of the staff overheard and said, yes, she is. Swimming's mm-hmm. not being cancelled. And then this other voice behind us said, in the car this morning, this is her mum, so her mum's been watching. In the car this morning, her hydrotherapy person called and said it was cancelled on Thursday. Oh, she was sharing her news. Mm-hmm. And how important <laughs> to have mum there. Yeah. To validate that. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone just went, oh. Wow. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. The, the end game is that they communicate something that we don't already know, right? Yeah. And that's the other thing I think about. So we model and then we ask them and we engage and we believe what they have to say instead of the find this, find that, which is a communication. It's testing. We're not teaching anything. And it's nothing they want to say. But then if we're going to leave it open ended, then we got to believe it when they say it, too. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And also, I always remember David Buchanan talking about um, small talk many, many, many years ago. Yeah, yeah. And him, he'd had a PhD student reviewing, um, you know, research into how much of what um, we say every day is small talk and then how much this, she found a study where five-year-olds spent 11% of their day making stuff up. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Yeah. So if neurotypical verbal five-year-olds can spend 11% of their day making stuff up, why can't other kids? And who are we to stop them from that, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a standard saying from kindergarten teachers here that that they say, 
I'll believe 50% about what your kid says about you to the parents. <laughs> if you only believe 50% of what they say about me. <laughs> yeah, no I kidding. Do that I just do that too. I say that, you know, hey, at this age, <laughs> truth telling is about 80%. So, you yeah. know, you can't have a higher yeah. goal. Oh, that's so funny. Jane, we, I'm sure Brenda feels this way too. I think I could talk to you all night. Yes. Um, well, it's night for us. It's not, it's morning yeah. for you. <laughs> oh, good. Um, and uh, by the way, I'm going to be wearing red tomorrow. I just, I'm loving your whole your headband <laughs> and your glasses. And, um, oh, it's, it's inspirational, especially here in Seattle. It's dark and rainy right now. So um, uh, it would be, but we, we do want to end with a question um, for you. Is there something pe- people might not know about you that you want to share or, um, <sighs> It could be maybe a new project. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love gardening. Okay. Okay. What kind of Um, what kind of things do you do in your with your garden? Oh, you do vegetables? No, I mostly do flowers. I love flowers. Okay. Um. I saw that question on, on the list you sent through and I just thought, I don't know what to say to that one. Um, I feel like I'm an open book. It's it's all about mm-hmm. the kids and it's about best outcomes for everybody. And the more that we can share that and support that and help each other, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to what Brenda said about your resources, just plentiful resources just available that's what we should be doing helping each other help these kids and making things and you asked me about my blog earlier I forgot to say I have a secondary website comprehensiveliteracy.com as well so yes yeah yeah thanks for sharing that yeah yeah Yeah. we we have it bookmarked (laughs) and um you know, when you started to describe at the beginning of the podcast, your where you live, I'm I feel like if we do a follow up, we should come to you. <laughs> <laughs> totally lovely. And now to find out you have flowers all over that, that sounds magical. Yeah, <laughs> I hope to meet you in person sometime, Jane. I really do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're lovely. You are um, so inspirational. You, I don't think you even know your reach. I don't think you have any idea how many people um, use your resources. And um, even, even like I said, even when I did that program for a year, um, 2017, I think maybe, maybe am I, I don't know if I'm right on the timeline, but somewhere around 2017, when you came out with all that stuff, um, I did it with kids who were in preschool and then they, they were going into preschool and some going into kindergarten here and they, and they, they could say, well, they have six, they have 66 sight words and, and everyone's blown away. Right. And it, mm-hmm. and the thing about literacy is if you know your letters and you have sight words and you're coming into kindergarten, you better get general ed instruction because you, you already meet, you already met the bar of everybody else coming into that school. Yep. And so yep. the thing about kids coming in with literacy skills is they get the placement that they need for further instruction. And that is also the Holy Grail, right? And I, yep. we always talk about, no, you can't talk about Dumbledore unless you know how to spell it because it's not in any AAC device, right? <laughs> you have to be able to spell. So I, I, I 100% um, believe everything in your belief system and I follow you for that reason. And I, the very little success I've had is due to you and your resources as well. So thank oh, you so much. That's for very kind. Yeah. 
Thank you. And you're so easy to talk to and open. And we really appreciate you just hopping on and having this fun conversation with us. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys. Okay. Bye.